Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for taking the opportunity, taking the time to listen to another episode of Bite the Orange. And today we have a very special guest um, coming all the way from the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Uh, that's an area that I personally have spent most of my life in. My mom lives in that area as well, so this is a personal connection for me. But this special guest has a growing list of accolades, uh, including being named the 2017 Veneta Project Venture Challenge winner. She's also the winner of MedStar Health and 1776 Patient to Consumer Startup Challenge. And she's also been named Startups to Watch in 2018 and also in 2020 and 2022 myself and 2023 and 2024, <laughs> right, named by me, and but also in 2018 by DCE Now and DCA Live, uh, Red Hot Entrepreneurs in DC Tech and Business Community. Today, I'm honored to have Megan Gaffney on the show. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. So Megan, you are the CEO and co-founder of a very interesting company called Beta Data, correct? You got it. So tell us something about yourself. Then we'll go into what, how you got into this. So who is Megan Gaffney? Uh, yeah, I am a recovering political entrepreneur who got really obsessed with how to make healthcare better during the creation of the ACA. And so, you know, that has led to becoming a founder at Beta and now the CEO of uh, a company that has 100 employees, both in the U.S. and in Ireland, and really working to innovate healthcare and make it work better for people. Which is very interesting. Uh, this is one of the great examples that I love, right? That we get in healthcare. I mean, as a clinician myself, I mean, I'm a doctor background, but I say healthcare is not only for doctors, right? You take people with different backgrounds. It could be politics, mm -hmm. it could be engineering, it could be in PR, whatever background it is, right? It takes all of us a collective effort to make healthcare better. So with that being said, what was the problem that you, that, that you wanted to solve? Like, what is it that why? What is the raison d'etre that got you involved in this? Yeah. So back in 2017, I was thinking about these ideas around healthcare infrastructure. I come from a political background. There's always talk about infrastructure in Washington, D.C. and investing in infrastructure, roads and bridges to make things work better. And that was true in a lot of industries, but it was something that I felt was left out of the ACA process, meaning that there were investments in new technology and innovative ways to deal with data that could bend the cost curve, but it just wasn't happening from a policy perspective. And at the same time, I was a mom of two young kids. And so you can imagine Congratulations. going yeah, <laughs> thanks. They're not young anymore. Uh, now they're kids with big opinions. But, you know, making doctor's appointments, trying to find providers, um, particularly specialists that were taking patients on my health plan and being able to get access to that information quickly. And as a mom, it was really hard to navigate. And so I had this kind of wild idea that kept sticking in the back of my head. Could we take the same techniques that were reinvigorating the financial services industry on the East Coast and the consumer technology industry on the West Coast and apply them to healthcare's simplest and, and in a lot of ways, most impactful data problem, just getting patients the information they need about providers that are in their insurance network quickly 
and direct them to the right type of care. And that was a problem that really I had experienced and knew well, and luckily um, found a great business partner who came from the field of astrophysics, who knew AI and machine learning really well. And we started tackling that problem. And it's still the problem we're focused on solving today. And, and that's another great reason why uh, people from different backgrounds should actually meet. So it takes the politician and someone with <laughs> astrophysics background to come together to solve healthcare's problems, right? So that's, that, that's the beauty of it. And so with yeah. that being said, so for the average person that has no idea about our industry, and it's, it's pretty chaotic, uh, right? And I know you have uh, your target clients are about payers. And so so what, mm-hmm. why do payers care about the, and why should they, what, what does it matter to them? Yeah, so, you know, payers care about their members as consumers. So if you think about um, a Medicare Advantage plans, their members have lots of choices now of where they can go to get coverage. And one of the first things that a member looks for is they go on the health plans website and they're looking to see, are the doctors that I trust and the facilities that I have faith in, in network, accepting patients on this health plan? Do the phone numbers work? Can I get access to the care that I need? And what we found is that in the industry, about half of the data is wrong. And it's driving member satisfaction. It's driving disenrollment. And there's been a lot of research that's come out both from the Journal of the American Medical Association and from Yale Public Policy Institute showing that it is affecting members' health because they're delaying preventative care and appointments that could treat things earlier because they can't get access to the provider information. And so that's driving up costs. So health plans are really looking at this from both perspectives. We want to control costs, obviously, but we also need to see members of health plans as consumers that have choices and serving them well uh, through data is important for retention of those customers. Which is, uh, and I, I like I like the fact that you mentioned that part, right? And because everything you mentioned impacts compliance, star ratings, and claims fallout, right? Leading to poor member and provider experience um, across the board. But you have, so you target uh, so Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial health plans, right? So mm-hmm. those are some of the plans that you go after. And so, uh, and you have two key products that I looked at. Uh, I think you have Velocity, okay. right? And is it Quantum, which I, I like the words on them. It's quantum. Uh, it's why. It's yeah, why yeah. So, so quantum. So a lot of physics terms here, velocity and quantum. So quantum physics. So we have to sense. give it, we have to let my astrophysicist co-founder uh, get a word in sometimes. So he gets a say in the product naming. Talk about diversity of opinion. That really matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So great. So tell us about the two key products that you offer, right? So what is velocity and what is quantum? Yeah, so Velocity uh, is our product that's focused on speed, not surprising. And what we're trying to accomplish for health plans is to help automate the movement of data from the provider all the way through to the member. So if you think about your physician, uh, you probably experienced this at some point. The group that you work for is sending information to the health plan hey, you know, Dr. Manny just joined. Here's his information. Get it in front of the members in the directory so they can make an appointment. Today, that process is typically done by people. So the health plan is getting a spreadsheet or an entry for into a uh, 
into a system or a platform, but they have to manually then take that data and enter it into their claims management systems so that that provider could get paid eventually and manually enter it into the system that feeds their find a doc tool on the website. It can take weeks for that information to get in front of members. And it's really error prone because it's a lot of stare and compare. Someone looking at one screen and typing it into the next screen. What Velocity does is it takes all of that manual process and automates it from end to end. So we can ensure that within 24 hours of the health system, sending the information about the new doctors that join and the new access points that are available, that information can get in front of the member. So it's really a real-time information sharing. And the brilliance of the product is that it doesn't require the doctor or the health plan to change their tech stack at all. It lets them automate in place and use the technology that they're using today so we can get really quick results and get people the information they need to make that appointment with the doctor. Uh, and just to expand on that piece to make it a uh, basic understanding, this is like joining a company and it takes like that, that long for you to actually be posted that you actually work in a company. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is like, which is like basic <laughs> common sense things that you think that functions in the regular world. Right. And so, right. Not, so, so the problem makes sense. I don't understand why anyone should not be doing this. <laughs> first That's of all, right. right. I mean, I can open a new bank account on my phone and make a transaction in like an hour and a half. Right. It's so fast in other industries. And so what we're trying to do is create these similar automations that help healthcare catch up and meet the expectations of the modern consumer. And just to expand on that piece, sometimes, for example, you know, you you could join the health plan and you go on, let's say you're a new member and you turn to find a clinician and you you might say, hey, there's no clinicians around where you are, but there might actually be a new clinician that showed up, right? And you are spending some time traveling at a place when just a delay in that that process. That's what Velocity does. That, that's exactly right. It gets that information out there quickly. And if a clinician moves or they get a new office, that information is updated right away because the worst case scenario is you make an appointment and you drive to the wrong location. We had a customer at one point that told us a horror story of someone who went to a uh, urgent care that had been torn down. So they went to go get care and they went to an empty parking lot because the data was so bad undelayed in the website that they hadn't updated that information. And so those are the kind of problems we're solving. Um, the, something apply, that, which is good, that's a great example, which made me think about something. Is it, is it something, the same thing happens if someone retires or a clinician dies, yeah. for example, right? Because I'm looking at data sets before and I've seen patients being referred to a doctor that died five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah it happens. And it happens in referrals. I'm glad you brought that up too. I mean, we're starting to work with ACOs and expanding out our services for things like referrals, particularly things like behavioral health referrals. You want to make sure if you're referring someone out as a primary care provider, that the information is correct for the universe of behavioral health providers. You don't want to send them to someone who's not taking patients or delay that care because there are really bad outcomes that can happen um, when that process is delayed or um you know, potentially not completed at all because the data isn't there to help um, get a proper referral made. So those are the kinds of things where we think in the past data has been a barrier to people getting what they need, but now it can really be an opportunity to make healthcare work better. All right, that's a no-brainer. I think anyone listening to this um, should definitely buy the orange on this and support uh, Megan (laughs) (laughs) and the team on this, right? So I think that's a straightforward thing because it makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense. And so now let's talk about quantum. So also yeah. we need velocity and, and the speed. I think the name is well earned. Yeah. Let's, let's see the quantum earnings name. 
Yeah. So I can give you, um, from a physicist perspective, Bob, if he's listening, is probably cringing at me trying to explain quantum mechanics. But really, it was a change in thinking fundamentally about how the world works. There was one way that was pretty simple and easy to understand that were traditional mechanics and physics. And then you had this crazy quantum mechanics stuff where you have atoms and particles that are vibrating and you have to use probabilistic methods to understand where they are. Scared people, it was uncomfortable, but it made things like GPS possible. So in the realm of healthcare data, we really think what we're doing is shifting from a method of data cleansing that's focused on process to a method of data cleansing and augmentation that's focused on outcomes. And I'll give you an example of what that means. So we're trying to assess whether a provider is taking patients at a location on any given day and time. There isn't a good, simple source of information, including a call to that provider's office, unfortunately, that can get you the right answer. But we've been able to show that using supervised learning models that have been developed over the course of the past few years, that it's a complicated way to get to the answer, but we can get the right answer in a reliable way that's mathematically and statistically sound for our customers. And so that's what our quantum project or product does. It provides reliable answers about the quality of provider data in really large data files every day. So we can cleanse and augment and edit the entire provider network file for a national health plan in 24 hours. So again, getting back to the speed that we have in velocity, you still get that with quantum. We can process anything up to 80 million rows of data for a multitude of data fields, give back a uh, statistically accurate view of that provider data, make corrections, get it to compliance levels of accuracy all within the same 24-hour uh, period. So it's a really impactful product that allows claims to be processed accurately. Uh, it allows health plans to see gaps in their network for the first time that they didn't realize that they had. Members, patients have known there were gaps, but health plans had a hard time seeing it because there was so much erroneous data within their network file, they just didn't know. And so now we can make that available so that health plans can be compliant and members have access to networks that are built out and complete. That's uh, in in incredible. I, I think it's uh, between velocity and quantum, I see speed and efficiency. Um, to the health system, right? Uh, these are back office things that these are, these are not the sexy things people think about in healthcare, right? But it, it makes it very efficient and, yeah. and improves that that that, that member experience and provider experience um, overall. Uh, with that being said, I'm very interested in like three case studies uh, that you actually publish on your yeah. website that anyone can go on uh, on your website uh, and we'll share information uh, at the bottom of the podcast so anyone can check it out. But you have three main case studies that I'm very interested in by multi-state payer, uh, multi-state payer achieved a zero roster backlog, right, which yeah. is product, right? And there's a large uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield plan that achieved data accuracy of, of 99%, which is a product as well. And then you have, uh, you partnered with the Mid-Atlantic uh, BCBS, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield, mm -hmm. uh, to save millions in administrative costs. So this, so what you're saying is not just, uh, you know, this futuristic thinking piece. You've actually yeah. partnered and actually delivered on this. 
So can you explain, talk more about some of these uh, case studies um, that yeah. whatever you could share with us and, and also tell us about who your ideal customer or client is. Yeah, I thank you for bringing those things up. I mean, being a company that is grounded in science and the scientific method, we measure everything. Um, and these are some of the reasons why we can get these great results partnering with customers is because we're really focused on measuring the outcome of what we do. So in the roster process, the customer that we had worked with had you know, the proverbial stack of papers on their desk. They were processing these rosters manually. What it meant was there was a delay in new providers um, being shown to members. What it, they also found was that behavioral health data wasn't getting a look at all because they were focused on the Medicare um, required providers. So folks like primary care providers, cardiologists, et cetera. And so they never got to the behavioral health data. We were able to create a process that fully automated the roster coming from their provider groups. And it did two things for them. It fundamentally changed the quality of the data that their members were seeing. And it allowed the people who were doing the manual work on physician data to move and shift to focus on ensuring that they were getting the right information about their behavioral health providers, which had a huge impact on their members. And so that was something we were able to facilitate in partnership with them. On the accuracy side, there's really two big drivers here in the second two case studies. I'm going to blend them together a little bit and talk nice. about um, how these two things uh, align. So why data quality means cost savings. Um, we did a large validated study by a third party who looked at the quality increases and what Veda was able to provide, and particularly on credentialing fields, things like licensure, the status of the state license, the specialty that the doctor um, or other healthcare practitioner. So we don't just work with doctors, nurses, advanced practice nurses, PTs, OTs, et cetera. We were able to get very high rates of accuracy. Like you said, in that study, it was 99% credentialing accuracy. And what that means downstream is that you get fewer claims that fall out to manual workflows. You don't get returned mail, which you know is a surprisingly large cost. It's a six-figure cost for this health plan in mail that they were getting returned, sometimes checks to small providers, which you can imagine is really frustrating. Um, and you also get fewer calls into the call center because when members can self-service the information they need on the website, they don't have to make calls into your call center to ask those questions. And so good data provides great experience. It provides compliance, but also downstream cost savings. Which is uh, quite incredible. Uh, so right now, so you're, so what are your main customers? So you're main, you sell mostly to health plans, correct? Yeah, we focused on health plans first okay. because um, that was really where members were going to get this information most of the time. If they hadn't given up and gone straight to Google, or calling their friends and neighbors to try to figure out where to get care. That's where they were going first. And health plans have a compliance interest in getting this right. Um, we focused first on Medicare and Medicaid, but we found the provider experience um, and pr provider abrasion was providing challenges for commercial plans too. Even if they didn't have compliance requirements, their members were unhappy, but the providers were also unhappy because they were getting paid too slow. And they were having challenges with 
their customers, patients, finding their information to make an appointment. That's not a great experience if you're partnering with a health plan. If no one can make an appointment at your office. So now we've broadened out, we serve the entire health plan ecosystem and are starting to provide offerings to others like ACOs, particularly value-based care uh, organizations within a health system, because the data is so crucial to getting that right. You can't do value-based care if you don't have the data fundamentals um, at a really strong place and you know have that trust built between the health plan and the provider organization. So that's where we're going. Uh, so we're hoping more and more people will take the bite out of the orange. Oh, yes, definitely. I think I think you go in the right direction. And I think this is, I bet you a lot of clinicians will bite the orange just listening to what you just said, right? Because yeah. uh, like in clinical practice, I'll tell you a lot of uh, my colleagues, what, what they bring up is especially dealing with Medicare, Medicaid is how long it takes for, for them to get paid, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's a massive right. challenge. And if you add that to physician burnout rates today, I think what you're doing makes it more efficient and makes everyone more comfortable. I think that translates to better care for patients um, overall, uh, for what you say, right? So with that being yeah. said, what has been the biggest challenge that you've faced so far? I mean, it sounds great that what you've done, right? I think getting get, get a oh, one, man. What, yes, so tell us about it. Yeah. Right now, challenging is to get one contract deal with a, with a, with a, with a payer. It's not easy. It, it's not easy. I would say the thing that is trickiest and actually is kind of perfectly encapsulated by this, by the orange um, analogy that you've given everyone who's listening is building the trust that's required to get a healthcare organization to move from a manual process to an automated process. I often describe it to our implementation teams as you're asking somebody to get in the backseat of a driverless car. Even if the data says that it's safer to be in the backseat of a driverless car than with a human driver, it is a scary choice and a scary moment of transition. And so we learned the hard way through the early years that we weren't focusing enough on that um, change management and education and trust building. And we fell down at times because of that. We lost deals because we didn't focus on providing enough reporting, enough transparency, enough human support in this process to make it worth it for our customers. And so we really doubled down on that in the past two years, bringing on a new vice president of delivery who is with our customers from pre-contracting through the life cycle. They do implementation, but also client experience work to make sure that there are human eyes on the data and we're able to explain to our customers what's happening in the automated system in a way that builds um, trust over time. And so I think that's a lesson that a lot of automation entrepreneurs will learn is that the change is difficult for people and you have to meet them where they are and help them understand the value and keep a human relationship in that process because it is asking a lot to put this really critical data in the hands of machines. So we need to have people engaged in the in the process and in the service of those customers along the way. Uh, and that's great. So just as we wrap up, uh, uh, it, I think it's also great. I think you mentioned earlier you have about 100 employees now with a mm-hmm. very short span from when you started to where you are. And you are yeah. in how many countries? Two. We are uh, in the U.S. and we just opened an office in Dublin, Ireland. So, yeah. That's right. Du- Dublin, Ireland. That's So that's fantastic. So you're growing. Yeah. And so everything starts with a seed, right? Then you expand, and you expand right. to, to, to the markets. So where do you see yourself 
growing in the next year or next two years? Because I'd love to have you get on the show, of course, and, and track your progress and see how you're doing. So where do you see yourself uh, in the next year? Yeah, I, I, in the next year, I mean, we've got some really exciting things on the horizon. We are going to continue to expand our product offerings to offer more for a broader array of customers, more data points, more automation. And I believe Veda will continue to be a thought leader in the automation space in putting the member or the patient at the center of the automation experience. It's not enough for us as entrepreneurs to think about back office savings. We need to think about how the tools that we're building impact our communities. And so I'm confident that we'll continue to lead that conversation as we grow both here and now expanding over into Europe as well. And always happy to come and get your point of view on how things are shaping up and really would be happy to check back in, um, in a you know year from now and talk about how we're both doing and, and growing your audience and, and our company. I think a year is too long. We'll check in even sooner than that. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe I'll see you at health. I don't know. I don't know if you're headed I, there, but we definitely I, I, are. I'll be at health and I'll be in other other conferences and you know the lines are yeah. open. Um, you know, and so if you're listening to the show, please and and you listen to what Megan said, you believe in what Megan does, hashtag bite the orange, hashtag Vita data. We have uh, Megan's uh, contact information right below uh, the podcast. Please share your knowledge with her, connect with her on LinkedIn or wherever you want to reach. So thanks for joining us today, Megan. Thanks, Manny. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfambu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfambu.com or bitetheorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, you can also visit us at emmanuelfambu.com. Mm-hmm.